The Ringer MBA show is presented by State Farm. The moment we've all been waiting for is about to arrive, the official start to the NBA season. This offseason was filled with a lot of big changes and fresh starts. For the fresh starts in your life, talk to a State Farm agent. So when it comes to insurance, you don't have to go it alone. Pretty much half the league has changed at this point. All the best players have moved pretty much to the Western Conference. But the one I am most fascinated by is obviously the Los Angeles Clippers. It's a team that I've been following for a very long time. And our friend Isaac has been following his entire life. I can't wait to find out how Paul George and Kawhi Leonard play together, specifically on the defensive end. It's going to be fascinating the way that the rest of the team just fills in around them. I can't wait. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can help you prepare for the big changes in your life. State Farm. Today's episode of Group Chat is brought to you by Dolce & Gabbana's new men's fragrance, K by Dolce & Gabbana. K by Dolce & Gabbana captures the essence of a man in his element. He is the king of his everyday life. A born leader and effortlessly charming, he remains true to his roots, respecting tradition while embracing modernity. The fragrance is magnetic and bold, just like a true modern-day king. Are you ready to own your crown? Pick up your bottle of K by Dolce & Gabbana at a Macy's or Macy's.com today. Basketball is very good. Markel Fultz will win most improved player. The only LA champions this year will be the Dodgers. The Knicks will play a five power forward lineup. Basketball is very good. Hello, welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is Group Chat. My name is Chris Ryan, and I am joined by Justin Verrier. On a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. So we're going to be doing this show on Wednesdays going forward into the season. You'll have your usual sweet of Ringer NBA podcast products throughout the week, but we're going to do Wednesdays. Uh, Justin and I are here today to talk a little bit about training camp stuff. And then the second half of the show, Justin is going to be speaking with Jordan Kahn about his podcast. It's called Sonic Boom, How Seattle Lost Its Team. It's an incredible pod. Justin's going to chat with Jordan about the reporting of that and about what he learned in the process of making it. Justin and I today, for your entertainment and your education, your edutainment, We're going to do preseason approval ratings. So obviously, approval ratings with the presidential campaigns are in the air. Sure. And we're just sort of grabbing it out of the ether and taking it for our own purposes. Justin and I wrote a piece on TheRinger.com, one of our rational conversations where we go back and forth. And we talked mostly about how we were feeling about everybody pressing Giannis on the first day of school about where he's going to go to school in two years. Yeah. Uh, basically, the fact that we are back in the player movement whirlwind and that people are already asking Giannis, like, are you going to sign your extension next summer? And if you don't, what does that mean? And et cetera, and et cetera. And uh, whether or not he is now the new Durant, the new Anthony Davis, the new Kawhi Leonard, the new whatever. And how we feel about that. How we feel about, you know, rather than getting into the season, we're sort of already distracted by the possibilities of what could happen in 24 months. So in doing these uh, approval ratings, we're just going to kind of give an arbitrary number about how we're feeling about a team in their preseason. Let's start with the Bucks. I think it is high in general, but relative where everyone else is on the Bucks, I think I am low. Okay. I feel like there's this presumption that they could just roll everything back that they did last year. And I think they're going to encounter some issues based on, well, for one, the personnel decisions that they made, primarily losing Malcolm Brogdon or kind of letting him go to Indiana. 
And also this presumption that Giannis can keep taking big leaps. Mm -hmm. And we can get to this later. But one of them is his shooting. And he was, I guess... He has a sensei now. Yes, he was practicing with Kyle Korver in order to help kind of rectify that. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen there. Everybody thinks they could shoot threes now. But the other big thing is the thing that you're talking about. Which is his free agency. Yeah. So we or were talking. Yeah, we were talking about this in our rational conversation, but I, I was just saying that I don't know how much like responsibility, not you and I specifically, but we as media have to take. Where, you know, if you just ask somebody something a hundred times, one of those answers, usually like in the nineties, you're probably gonna break the person and they're gonna say, you know what, if you don't think I want to stay in Milwaukee, maybe I just won't, or something <laughs> like that. I don't I don't think Giannis is just gonna get prosecuted into leaving into leaving Milwaukee. But I do think that if this is a consistent question that he gets once a week, once a night, once every month or whatever, for the next couple of months, we've seen time and time again that most guys eventually get pretty irritated about it and say something about it. And if you tie that kind of line of questioning in with any hiccups on the side of the Bucks this season, any dip, any hangover from the Eastern Conference Finals last year, then the two are going to get tied together. The two are, it's going to become, oh, the Bucks are only 11 and 10. Maybe Giannis doesn't want to play here long term. Or am I, am I reading way too much into it? No, I think you're exactly right. And you brought this up in the piece. This is just, they don't really, Giannis and star players don't really dictate the discussion about them. And if anything, we don't really have much more to say or feel about the Bucks, except for disappointment mm-hmm. for us to say that they just aren't meeting the expectations that they're just going to be, if not the best team in the East, perhaps one of the best teams in the NBA. And so this is really, this is going to keep coming up and we're going to keep talking about it. And as a result, I wonder if this is going to just loom over their entire season. And maybe this is the type of thing that, uh, if things aren't going well, starts to submarine some of their games. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, whether or not it could ever be such a big... Giannis's impending free agency, not even his impending free agency. What we're talking about now is whether or not he'll sign what would be the richest extension, I think, in NBA history. It would be a five-year, $253 million Supermax extension, according to ESPN's Bobby Marks. Uh, it would be the largest in, in NBA history. And when they asked Giannis on on the first day of camp about, about signing it, he said, I feel like if you have a great team and our goal is to win a championship and to be the last team standing and get better each day, I think it's disrespectful towards my teammates talking about my free agency and what I'm going through. Now, Justin and I went back and forth about the different ways that different players have handled this. And we kind of came to the conclusion, or at least I did, that when, you, when we look back on how Kawhi has handled the last two seasons in terms of his exit from San Antonio... His arrival and playing season in Toronto, essentially single-handedly winning an NBA championship and then bouncing, and basically not not never apologizing because he doesn't really owe anybody an apology, but never getting really sucked into the saying things like making promises or indicating one way or another and then having to walk it back or you know, riding high when the bandwagon, like the Kyrie thing of like when things are going well, it's like bury me in Celtics green. And as soon as things go wrong, it's just like, I don't get along with anybody and the world is flat. You know, Kawhi didn't play any of those games. Kawhi didn't do any of those, the same tricks that other free agents have done. And I wonder whether or not we'll look back and be like, that's the template. That's the template is just to treat it like a bit, like a cold business decision. It seems to be Giannis's approach. And I think 
there seem to be rumblings from like reporters, and you hear this like if you listen to people talk about him that that kind of knew him last season, that he was pretty standoffish with the media. He just wasn't as gregarious, and he just wasn't as available mm-hmm. as perhaps he was when he was just this smoothie drinking, you know, you know, just fun guy, just wanting to, right. you know, right. that everybody wanted to just turn into a, and his, a cutesy his, little I meme. think his game kind of reflected that. Right. And and so I think he will probably take that approach, but I think regardless of what approach he takes, I, I think we're just kind of cynical about the entire thing. If he just if he goes out there and says, I will re-sign with the Bucks, we'll just bring up Kyrie and it just won't matter. Sure, yeah. So like at this point, perhaps being silent is the only approach because it doesn't matter what he's going to say. Having said that, I do feel like whether or not he wants to admit it or not, this season will kind of be the, the perfect trial for the Bucks because they had this offseason where they had to make in, like several key decisions. And if they don't pan out, that should signal to Giannis that this isn't the team that could you, you can grow with going forward. Yeah, I mean, the, the Brogdon thing, I think, is personally, I think, is an overrated loss. <laughs> although I, I was pretty excited at the prospect of Philly maybe getting involved in, in getting him. Right. But this team is going to be as good as he is. And I, I don't think Brogdon would have made the difference between... I mean, Wesley Matthews is obviously, I think, a step down from Malcolm Brogdon. But I think that they will still be in and around where they were last year. Uh, let's get on to uh, another team. So you're feeling pretty good about about Milwaukee's like preseason so far. That Your approval at a, at a five. Where would you put your, your rating? Three. Three? Okay, that's good. Yeah, they're going to be a good team, but uh, some of these it's things... It's like John Wick 2, you know, three <laughs> out of five. Sure. I like John Wick 2. Uh, let's do the Thunder. All right. Let's go to the other end. Another small market team kind of grappling with their inability to, I guess, retain superstar talent. They've obviously had themselves quite a, quite a bit of Russell Westbrook, but broke that team up. Chris Paul comes in. Everybody assumes it's going to be like a way station and that he's going to get redirected or get bought out. Nope. He's basically the Oklahoma City Chamber of Commerce now. <laughs> Royce Young was tweeting about how Chris Paul was dropping like lots of really seasoned OKC references in all of his like quotes. It's incredible. Uh, you know, he was he actually nice to Barry Tremel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he is already getting everybody on a plant-based diet oh, on the Thunder. How long do you think before he takes over Kevin Durant's restaurant? And he just what, whatever puts beyond me. Didn't in something there? else move in there? Didn't he shut that down? Oh well, he just take that over. Okay, so this corporate CP threes. Yeah, uh, Roberson is back. So he he has also changed to a plant based diet. It's great. It's great. Uh, in fact, Stephen Adams seems to be the lone holdout there. Uh, Andre Roberson also had. It was a, it, I wouldn't say it was a shot, but he was basically talking about what's been like really difficult for him over the last two seasons of being of missing essentially because of knee injuries. And he was talking about how, like, it was watching, like, guys not get locked down and specifically mentioned Lillard last season. It was kind of a Paul George shot, I right. thought. Yeah. Um, in any case, you know, this is a team that's going to, in all likelihood, be pretty bad, but better than maybe we expected. And I think that they are handling this about as well as they possibly could. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, th- I think this is the point in the season where guys just say things. I'm pointing this out in in our little back and forth there, but we pretty much consider guys saying anything to be news. They've had the entire offseason in order to craft these sort of responses. So if they don't come saying the things that they should, I think it's a bad sign. But Chris Paul's too old to be like 
to pre- be pretending, right? He's all, he's very practiced. He was practiced when you wanted to ask him about like the smallest things that were just completely inconsequential. And, and for the Clippers, you mean? Or just, yeah, throughout his entire okay. career. So uh, I'm not surprised that he was basically a politician to fit our, our theme here uh, going on this. But I don't know. Like, they're a weird team. And for that reason, I'm super intrigued. There was this one photo from Media Day in which like, three of their guards. It was Chris Paul, Shea, Gilchrist, Alexander, uh, Terrence Ferguson. And I think it was Hamadou Diallo was the other one. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that could be a lineup and this could get like very weird and maybe that will You're be in fun. Too deep. <laughs> You're in way too yes. deep. Yeah. Way too early. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, they also have very nice uniforms. I don't know if you've seen the little tweets they've made. I like the I'm, thunder. Yes. I'm, in, I'm entranced because they got this like nice little like yellow thing going on in there now. It just really pops. There was also along with the, I could have locked down Lillard had I been healthy. There was a little bit of uh, chit chat about the ball is going to really fly around. We're going to move the ball. Gallinari talked about that. Right. Not that it was like, you know, peace out to Russ, but it, it's going to be almost psychedelic to see an Oklahoma City team that's not running through Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I, it'll be fun for like the month that it happens. I mean, just look at the West. This uh-huh. team cannot compete, and thus the only like conclusion you can come to is that they're going to have to like tear it down. I believe Gallo's on an expiring contract, and our guy Roberson, even though he is more svelte and perhaps looking to get retribution on the Blazers or whatever he's trying to do these days, uh, he's also on an expiring contract. So if he shows any sort of value, that's a guy who probably could be playing for the Sixers. I honestly don't fun. feel like this is a tanking team right now. So they have to make some trades if that's what they want to do. No, they're too good to tank. I guess with the new lottery odds, it doesn't matter. But it would make sense for them to kind of reboot. I, how long is Chris Paul going to want to say this? Like, there's only so long he could turn his Dude, he comments into... Dude, he's $40 million. Like, there, it's, this is not a movable deal. Yeah, and he's probably getting way more from these, like, veiled advertisements for Beyond Meat. I don't think it's veiled. I think he's, like, a <laughs> spokesperson. But I'm just saying, like, this is not, like, a flippable deal. <laughs> like, it will he be difficult. might just... Yeah, you, think he, you, you think that he's gone by, by the end of All-Star? That would... Yeah, that would be my expectation. You don't think this team wants to win, like, 36 games? Maybe. I, what does that get them, I guess? Um, I think it sustains the local connection to the franchise. I think a straight-up... Philly style tank is is hard for them. It's hard. It's hard for them in that town. That's a good point. I do wonder because Oklahoma City is such a new fan base. Perhaps they think like new fans, and thus they get tanking. Mm. I don't know. They're also in the deep south. I don't know, like the rhythms they're not in the of deep fan- south. They're not- Oklahoma is not in the deep south. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. What is it, Southwest? It's like the Great Plains, dude. All right. Well, the Great Plains. The deep south? <laughs> Wait. I don't know. Let's do some geography. I, I, I it's did. okay. I mess stuff up all the time like that, but like, I know, I know. where do you think Oklahoma is? Above Texas. <laughs> Why do you think that's the deep south? I don't know. It's just the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> we are not editing this out. I, no, that's fine. Uh, I also lived in the South, so this is particularly bad. I know. Um, so I think that on a sliding scale of what the Thunder can be, I am going to give them a a four in approval rating. I think that they came out and they said all the right things. Yeah. And I think that like this is the moment where you blink twice and look at the depth chart and you'll be like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And this is the first time we're going to get to see Billy Donovan coach a non-Russell Westbrook team. I think they might be a little bit more modernized. And I think that they actually might be a little bit pesky this season. I could see them being the new Clippers, which is appropriate considering Shea. Chris and yeah. Shea are there. Yeah, I, There is a lot of 
stuff here. There are, there's a lot of above averageness, and, mm-hmm. and that can get you. That can get you some wins, especially in, in like especially the if teams are sleepwalking, especially yeah. if guys are taking 22 games off this season for load management. Like you never know. You never know with the, the like the the teams that were like, oh well, this the eight seed is a battle between these two or three teams. Like I, I don't count Oklahoma City out if they keep this roster together. Yeah, there there will be someone, and everyone, and the Suns expect it to be them, but it will not be the Suns. Everybody else. The Suns expect to be in the playoff race? Yes. With who? I don't know. With like what team? that th- They think this every year. They think Booker and Aiton and... Yeah, they're always building for... Well, not always, but the past two years, they've been building for the now. I think last year they made certain moves in order to take a run. They, I mean, they signed Trevor Ariza for that very reason. They signed Ricky Rubio to an absurd contract in order to take a leap this season. That's That's... That's deranged. They got Cam Johnson, who's as old as Devin Booker in the draft. I love drafting old guys, though. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Veteran know-how? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go, what did I say, four for the Thunder? What are, you, what are you giving them? I don't know, two. All right. The well, jerseys we just, we are nice. disagree. But that's it. It's like Crossfire <laughs> on CNN. Sure. Do the Lakers. KOC and, and Verno talked a lot about the Lakers yesterday on the mismatch. So I don't want to, like, belabor the point other than to say... There's a lot of, of propaganda coming out of the Lakers camp right now. Yeah. So I'm going to give the Lakers a five <laughs> in terms of their ability to manage the sports information desk. Mm. Uh, LeBron and AD's starting five, along with KCP, Dwight, and Avery Bradley, which is some real Rip Van 2011 shit right there. <laughs> uh, LeBron, AD, KCP, Dwight, and Avery Bradley were apparently so good they got mercy ruled off the practice floor because they were just destroying everyone else. Practices have been physical, bodies flying all over the place. The Lakers are going to play smash mouth defense first basketball. And Dwight Howard has been all business. Cool. It's great, it's great stuff. Here's what I want to know. Who are the jabronis that were on <laughs> the other side of this starting five? Because... Well, we could do it by those. Yeah, those players are, are not very good, and the the, the the Lakers are so thin that they're probably throwing out some lineup of like Jared Dudley and Costas Antetokounmpo out there. Uh, it was uh, well, Dud got hurt. I think it was Troy Daniels, Alex Caruso, Danny Green. I assume <laughs> Rondo, 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 and so, Javale. So did they just like run post ups for Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard? But that's a really good point. It's like the the message that got out was like AD and LeBron were so good they had to like close the gym and hose it down. But it's like, oh, but you guys were playing against some dudes off of like the Venice Pier. Also, maybe LeBron just knew that like if he played really well that they would let him coast for the rest of the practice. Like at this point, LeBron does not need to practice. So mm-hmm. maybe they were just going to shut him down anyway. But they kind of do need to practice. They kind of do. I mean, like this is a new team again. They do need to get used to each other. I mean, there is a bunch of new guys on this team. Anthony Davis and LeBron James need to get some like chemistry going on basketball-wise, don't they? Apparently. And they were shooting together, I guess, the other day. They were shooting threes. And it's great because the video that came out was LeBron James missing corner threes like four in a row. Uh-huh. And I think the object was to show like, yeah, look at these guys shooting threes now. This is all going to work out. And it was just like, oh God. Uh, so in terms of, in terms of like propaganda, I'm going to go five for the Lakers. But in terms of real approval, what are you giving them? One. I'm really sick of the circus of this team already. Like, I just don't want to hear from any of them ever. You're so ready for the Joker movie. <laughs> You're like, I'm sick of this the uh, disgusting propaganda. <laughs> I feel like this is the entire summer. Like, yeah. 
I just want to see them play. I think they'll be incredible, AD and, and LeBron together. But in terms of just like everything else is going on, it's just like completely, I have no bandwidth for it. From your least favorite LA team to possibly your least favorite team in the NBA, the 76ers. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise you here. Okay. I'm kind of high on them. Yes. I don't know, man. You look at the East, as I was just saying, it's pretty thin. There aren't many good teams. There's like two teams. You know what else is thin? (laughs) Joel Embiid, baby, because he lost 20 pounds through the power of concentration. Did you hear about this? He wasn't doing CrossFit? No, he's just like, I I lost 20 pounds. And people are like, well, what did you, paleo, keto, (laughs) CrossFit, like like cut out carbs, cut out sugar? He's just like, no, I'm just focused on what I need to do. Wow. Mind, yeah. mind literally over matter. So, I mean, you know, that this was a lingering thing coming into the season was the lack of dependability on, on Embiid's knees and stomach throughout the playoffs. And he he seemed pretty, like, pretty aware of that. You know, he did not duck that. He was like, I really feel like I let the guys down in the end of the season and I need to do everything for my body to make sure that doesn't happen. And along with those lines, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see this because I feel like and many Sixers fans do, that they were basically trying to like win an MVP for him in the first half of the season and that they were playing him the kind of minutes you play when you're trying to rack up stats. Right. 36 minutes, him in like when they're up 18 with three minutes left, he's still in there getting rebounds and stuff like that. And I think that they're going to try and manage his minutes a lot better. And then the next, the next question is obviously always, can Ben shoot? And what, how well does he have to shoot for this team to be any better than they were last year? He could shoot step back turnarounds on some guy in the New York, right. like Chris Brickley gym. Yes. Yeah. I don't know about real games. Right. But I guess we'll see. It sounds like from the quotes that are coming out of training camp that they're just going to give him a green light when it's available. I think he, they need him to be a willing participant. Yeah. Even if he takes two a game just to keep defenses honest, mm-hmm. that's going to create a lot of gravity and, and open things up for everyone else, which is what they need. I mean, we've been talking about this all summer. They're going to need shooting in order to make this work. Yeah, and they everybody's saying the right things. The Horford love-in is in full effect. Uh, Josh Richardson seems very happy to be there. I still think that they're thin in the backcourt, uh, but maybe Trey Burke is the answer because dudes <laughs> were flipping out about Trey Burke. Ben Simmons was like, Trey Burke was God in practice yesterday. Jesus. Brett Brown was like, Trey Burke had a really good in and out handle, don't like had it on a, on a string. So Sixers, give me a give me an approval rating. I'm pretty high. I think the longer things go on, and as you start to see these guys come into camp, I don't know. It makes it more real, and it sort of affects your outlook as a result. And I look at like them all stacked together, and they are fucking huge. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how anybody guards them. Like who has the proper combination in order to guard and be? They have also talked about their ability to play smash mouth basketball. The return of smash mouth basketball is the funniest plot twist of the NBA season so far. The East is going to be like a monster truck rally. You think so? I mean, look, Giannis is going to be out there. Brook yeah. Lopez is going to be out there. Turner and Sabonis versus Horford and Embiid. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about this this summer. I think there's like a possibility that we start pivoting to big. Now you have to match that with shooters, and that's a, the essential question for the Sixers, especially because you look at their bench, and I'm just like, where's the auxiliary, like kind of the backup shooting coming from? Like, yeah. Let's say Al Horford isn't playing, uh, or it's, the spacing just isn't working. Like teams are going to go super small, and like maybe Tobias Harris has to like not play or play the four mm-hmm. as opposed to three. Uh, and you have guys like Thibel, you have guys like Zaire Smith. I don't know, but there's a lot of talent. And it's going to be a cakewalk probably to the Eastern Conference Finals unless some team in the East like really pops off. And in a playoff series, 
I, I don't know. I, against the Bucks, I think I would give the Sixers the edge at this point. Really? Is that crazy? Um, the assumption is going to be that those two teams are going to be at the top of that conference. The one thing that I've learned over the last couple of seasons, especially last season in the Western Conference, is just simple twist of fate of seeding. Mm. And it would be fascinating if one of those two teams... Basically, it was like, you know what, like, we're going we're gonna to make sure our guys are healthy throughout the season. So two or three or four even is not a big of, that big of a deal. Um, we saw what happened with Portland last season. And the inevitability of Philly and Milwaukee playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a possibility that this team has a Raptors-like season where— Philly does. Yeah. yeah. That they just have— Where it's just wire to wire. Right. Like that, th- they do well in the regular season, but it isn't just like just completely. But the confidence never wavered in the team is what I mean by wire to right. wire. Not necessarily they led wire to wire. It seems like they have a clear identity and they have talent. The really unknown is Josh Richardson, and it seems like even if he's just like a spot up shooter, he plays a little defense. Uh, it, it it will work. Mm-hmm. I think there's a possibility that this is the best defensive team in the league, and even if they don't rank that in the regular season, you put them in a playoff series and they could just lock people down, especially. If Ben Simmons becomes the defender, we all think he should be. Yes, and which he seems to be uh, focused on becoming. That's the, the only thing he talks about right now is like, I just want to be the best possible defender, which is like startling. It's like terrifying. It should be terrifying to people because if Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons and he's just like absolutely obsessed with defense, you're talking about one of the best two-way players in the league. Yeah, he's... In, Everybody not, else can eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's not in a contract year. He's in a trade-me year because he's just Ooh, signed... Justin. He's just signed an extension... And he's going to want out eventually, you mm-hmm. presume. And so he's doing everything. How everybody. Dare you? <laughs> Stop trying to see. You know what you want is Ben Simmons in some backwater city, whether it's the deep south of Nebraska <laughs> or whatever you think it is. You just want him on some shit team with four shooters so you can see your dream of Ben Simmons come true. What would you think about Chris Paul, Philadelphia 76er? <laughs> um, you know that that would make it like that would basically be a like perfect basketball team, right? It'd be pretty good. He won't hurt your defense. I, ice. Yeah. CP3 76er. Like I just, as a guy who spent a lot of time watching Chris Paul, uh-huh. Chris Paul, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Ooh. Al Horford, Joel, and be starting five. Oh my God. Now that team is winning what? 68 games? <laughs> Are you trolling me right now? No, I'm, I'm dead serious. If, if Chris Paul can conjure up any of his former glory... 80% of Chris Paul. 80% of Chris Paul. That's, that's like a mid-60 win team. And they would probably get like three of those first-round picks they got from the Clippers in order to make that work. And like maybe Gallo or... or I, no, the, the salary wouldn't match at that no, point. No, that's like $100 million <laughs> coming the other way. <laughs> it's like Gallo and CP3. Yeah. They're like the gross national product of Argentina. <laughs> maybe you could get Abdul Nader. Um, okay. I'm not saying I like that. I'm just saying I acknowledge that. I, I like your... I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of it's not a contract year, it's a trade me year. Is there anybody else you think is in that camp? Towns? Yeah, I know. I know, that's exactly what I was thinking. I feel by December, January, as teams that are hopeful that things will work out, but probably won't, I think we're going to start to see the next wave of guys mm-hmm. uh, who want out. I mean, we talked about this so, earlier. Outline this for me. So you're saying that this is a situation where a player who's on an extension, but in relation to Blake Griffin and John Wall, like a relatively reasonable extension, and... They're in a, a kind of like a weird situation in terms of where the team is going. 
but they don't dog it. Like they're actually like putting up numbers and trying because they're like, this is what you get if you trade for me. Right. They're at the point in their careers where they've established themselves individually, They, but they still have question marks, whether it's they don't win enough, they don't help their team win enough, mm-hmm. they don't play the certain way in order to be a winning player, uh, or they're just like not doing what they need to do to fit into the team. I think there are guys like Towns, I think D'Angelo Russell is another perfect case here where the Warriors ostensibly traded for him in order to trade him again. Mm-hmm. And he will have to do a lot in order to fit in next to Steph uh, in order to make that defense even competent. And so I wonder if he's the type of guy who plays nice, plays off the ball, defers. Like Can't believe he's in a, such a great environment, learning from such great players. Best yada, shape yada. of his life. Course, Draymond yeah. is taking him under his wing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden at the trade deadline or next summer, it's like, oh, hey, he's on the Hawks. I think it's more like not to take this full circle and be exactly what we were just lampooning in the beginning of this podcast, but I think it's more like next summer to the Bucks. Hmm. For Middleton? I I don't know. No, not Middleton. Oh, you mean for Giannis? Wow. Okay. We're going nuclear here. Don't you think? <sighs> this is the thing, is that even if Giannis doesn't want to talk about it, what people will talk about is other teams making the two-year plan. Hmm. Don't you think? Yeah, no. I, I think teams, especially the teams that don't have much to look forward to this year, are, are already It's going to be like Pat Riley hooked up to a blood boy, you know, like, <laughs> like in Fury Road, just waiting for the possibility of Giannis coming to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be exactly like that. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, the, the Warriors thirst after everybody. Like, when they were riding high and winning 60 games and just blowing everybody out in the playoffs, losing one game in the playoffs, everyone's like, Anthony Davis is coming. Mm-hmm. They're setting themselves up for the Anthony yeah. Davis trade. Right. And it didn't happen, but like they still do have, uh, they have some assets. They don't have draft picks anymore. But Russell, I guess, if that's, if that when did the interest, draft picks start repopulating? Or are they just all such so bad that they're like, it doesn't really matter. They're like late first rounders. Uh, I think they're at a point, considering what they traded this offseason, where they only have Didn't one they trade to one trade? to get rid of Iguodala? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they've done a lot of that, and I think they've probably traded draft picks in the past. I I would have to look it up, but I think they have, like, one mm-hmm. at their disposal, and that's just, like, if they're planning on trading for Giannis, it's going to be the 30th pick in draft, so it doesn't have right. much value. I am I have no idea how it happens. I'm just saying that there's a bunch of teams that are going to be, when we they make a move, and you're like, why are they doing that? It's like, oh, they think they have a shot at him. The Hawks? The Hawks are going to get Giannis? Why do you keep saying that? This is the second time you said that. You I think, think that's the, true. I think the Hawks are probably the team with one of the best assets like packages. And they're at the point where they have guys that if they just traded for an established star, then all of a sudden they have something to hit the ground running with. Uh-huh. As opposed to a team like the Thunder, who if they traded whatever they have for Giannis right now, that's not a team. Like they just wouldn't have much left. It'd no, be- I mean, I think also presumably the issue here is if Giannis feels hemmed in at all in Milwaukee. I mean, I, Giannis is definitely one of these guys now. Is He's on like six different commercials, so it's hard for me to imagine like how much bigger he could be in Los Angeles or New York. Mm-hmm. I think he would be a god in either one of those places, but he seems to be the next face of the league. So that's an interesting question. I do wonder how much that matters to him, like just from a personality standpoint and also in terms of marketability. Like, do we need our star in one of these markets, right. or at least just not Milwaukee, because Milwaukee is uh, a little bit sleepier even than some of these more attractive Yeah, I mean, markets. he could go 90 minutes down the road and be in Chicago and probably have like two times the exposure. Yeah, I mean, 
there's a reason why he's able to duck the media as much as he reportedly has mm-hmm. because there's just there isn't a, a big throng there and there just isn't as as much of a media crush. I want to let you get to your interview with Jordan. Was there any other team that you wanted to do an approval rating on? I put down the Bulls here uh, just because Boylan gave like a really like heartfelt yet like kind of low-key funny speech about how he's like it's all sinking in that he's the coach of the Bulls and he wants to win one for the Reinsdorfs <laughs> and John Paxson. Uh, which is like I'm with you. I can't wait to see the Bulls this season, but I keep forgetting that he's the coach. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be competent. I think they. I would expect them to make the playoffs. Okay. Uh, the one the, you would expect the Chicago Bulls to make the playoffs this season. Yeah, they just have a lot of guys. A lot of, great pod from you. Yeah, a lot of good takes. A lot of takes. Yeah. CP three for Ben Simmons, and the Bulls are going to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, here I'll pivot to something that nobody cares about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Willie Cauley Stein was is injured. Uh huh. And I'm looking at the Warriors depth chart, and I'm like, "Who the hell plays now?" Like, yeah, Kevon Looney is still there, but after that, there's just like a kind of a barren wasteland. Okay, they're just counting on a lot of guys who should not be. You're playing just pivoting away from Boylan on me. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, uh, let's talk about the Warriors. Game. Okay, uh, I don't know. I I was hopeful that he could be kind of like this defensive menace and would allow Draymond to just like kind of ease into like the back end of the regular season, uh-huh. like he had like he's, like last he, year. Yeah, the twenty pounds at the All Star break. Yeah, right. And so I do wonder they're going to ask a lot of Steph and Draymond and all of a sudden guys who were able to take a couple games off in the regular season every year and we didn't really even care or notice because they were just so top-heavy that that's going to start to matter more. And it does, And the other bit of news that came out was that Clay is out until the All-Star break. And so if things aren't going gangbusters... Do you really bring him back? Right. I have high hopes for I the I think Warriors. that they actually could bring him back if he wants to get into shape to play for Team USA. Yeah, he could do that. I don't know what he said about that, but a lot of guys. Are I think everybody in. is like, I would love to represent my country again. They're, be- and they're, they're, you know, they're putting it in just the right way. It's becoming a pissing contest, I think, at this point. And when Draymond it- said that he's planning his wedding around it, so he hopes he makes the team. <laughs> what a what a passive aggressive move. <laughs> I wonder yeah. how his wife feels. I'm about sure that. that's really like keeping Jerry Colangelo up at night. Right. Is where Draymond's registered. Yeah, I think he has other whether he not got he, Whether or not he was able to get that rustic barn <laughs> in upstate New York. <laughs> so on the one hand, I think the- Farm to table, just like community seating, past dishes, you know, it's really the centerpiece is mm-hmm. just like really natural from local, local greens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Warriors. <laughs> the Warriors, I'm going to give uh, three and a half. I'm going to go two. I think- well, okay. I'll say in terms of their title prospects, I'll go with two. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I am starting to reconsider that. In terms of how fun they could be as a result, I think they could be a five because this means Steph is going to have to be in fuego. I'm I'm going three and a half because I think for a couple of seasons, they've had to imagine a chip on their shoulder <laughs> and imagine disrespect. And now they actually being are, are being disrespected. Right. And they can actually legitimately have bulletin board material now of people being like, they're not going to make the playoffs, they're trash, whatever. Like, I I think that Iguodala and Livingston, while essential to their success, their absence is not going to crater their team. Uh, I think Steph is going to be super fun this year. I think D'Angelo's really good. I think Kerr's very smart. And I think that they'll be better than people think. And I think that they get to play pissed off for the first time in a long time. It's better than... And a new gym. It's better than introducing DeMarcus Cousins. It's, it's actually something. Good point. 
Okay. Let's wrap it up there. Justin's going to talk to Jordan Kahn about Sonic Boom, the Luminary podcast that Jordan did. It's a fantastic achievement. I can't wait to hear their interview. We will be back next Wednesday and every Wednesday with Group Chat. We're back. It's Justin taking over for Chris, who has left us. But in his place, we've got, dare I say, a ringer. It is Jordan Kahn, uh, staff writer at The Ringer, here to talk about his new podcast, Sonic Boom, How Seattle Lost Its Team on Luminary Jordan. How's it going, man? Good, Justin. How are you? I am doing great. I am also riding a high because I just listened to the first episode of your incredible new podcast, Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to hear the rest of it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the project. Like, how did you get started on it? How did it come about? Yeah, so I, I think about a year ago, some ideas were being kicked around here at The Ringer for a narrative documentary podcast in sports. And and I think in in telling a story in, in this medium, um, what I found myself drawn to is stories that felt kind of vast and sprawling. And and that's that's how this story felt. It's a story that unfolds in in two different cities, both vastly different uh, in Seattle and and Oklahoma City. It's a it's a story that involves a lot of people who who we all remember very well and know very well, like Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Detlef Schrempf, but but also a lot of people who are every bit as critical to the story who so many fans and and people in in each of those cities, much less beyond, have have ever heard of. And it just felt like there was so much there to explore. It's a, it's a story that is very much a basketball story, but also uh, equally a political story and, and equally a business story. And it, it just felt like it would lend itself to this kind of multi-episode uh, kind of narrative documentary style. So, so we decided to go for it. Yeah, just personally, I grew up in Connecticut and the Sonics were my favorite team. Like Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, this was the most exciting team in basketball. And so as just a fan of that team and and kind of wanting to recreate some of those memories, I'm definitely interested. But at the same time, uh, if you look at the past couple decades of the league, you could argue that this is one of the most important events, if only because it kind of spawned this team in Oklahoma City. uh, And then they obviously aggregated this, like these collection of stars who are now probably, you know, five best players in the league, dictating the fate of the league and all that. But the Sonics themselves are, like had a moment, and I wonder how much younger fans kind of realize that or appreciate that. Did you have any kind of connection to the team when you first started this? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned growing up in Connecticut and and falling in love with this team. I, I had uh, an experience of growing up equally far away in, in suburban Atlanta, and I, also, I just absolutely loved the Sonics as a kid. I mean, you you couldn't not love them. They were there was an edge to them, a, a, a swagger to them. The way they played was just so intense and, and, and in your face that they, there was just something magnetic. And even, you know, it's one of the, we talked to a number of people who played for the franchise, um, but one of them was Desmond Mason, who told a story of growing up in Texas and kind of having the exact same relationship with this team. They, they represented something in the 90s that felt kind of synonymous with Seattle, or at least with an idea that people from other parts of the country had about Seattle. And yeah, so I think particularly in the first episode, what we wanted to do is kind of establish for perhaps some younger fans who maybe don't remember watching the Sonics play, or at least not watching that era of the Sonics play, 
showing what they once meant and what they once represented. Uh, not only the team itself, but also the fan base, the, the the home court advantage that they had in the 90s was among the very best in the league. You know, George Carl told us a story of uh, a playoff game against the Jazz where for hours and hours afterward, he couldn't hear anything because the crowd noise had been so loud. So we wanted to kind of really capture the sense of of what they once meant to to Seattle and to, and to the league as a whole before kind of telling the story of how they were taken away. Yeah, and one of the faces or names that current day fans will probably know is Indiana Pacers head coach Nate McMillan, who I don't think it gives too much away to say is one of the first voices you hear. And before he was the Pacers coach, he was Mr. Sonic. Uh, in addition to Nate, like who else did you talk to and kind of get perspective from for this project? Yeah, so um, of the kind of bigger NBA-centric names, um, Nate, Gary Payton, Lenny Wilkins, Detlef Schrempf, but then it goes kind of so far beyond just the players we talked to. We talked to a U.S. senator. We talked to the former city attorney for Seattle and, and people who were involved in litigation that kind of led to the team ultimately getting out of town. We We went to both Seattle and to Oklahoma City and talked to people who were very involved in kind of all aspects of of the sale and to people who were very involved in kind of the political environment in Seattle being such that it kind of paved the way for the the team to be vulnerable and uh, people who were involved in the political kind of situation in Oklahoma City that, that helped that city become kind of a fertile market for a team to come there. Um, and the thing that kind of stands out to me as I think back on it is how all of these voices felt equally important. Like Gary Payton's voice in, in this podcast is no more important than the voice of the the left-wing activist who is fighting against stadium funding in Seattle or the diehard Sonics fan who is fighting so hard to, to do anything he could to keep the team in town. The politicians, the players, the business people, they, they all kind of carry equal weight in the story of how this all happened. What is an interview with Gary Payton like? Gary Payton was the very last person we we interviewed for the podcast. And I interviewed him in Miami where he was for a big three event where where he's now a coach. And I'd been given a a few minutes of a heads up. He knocked on my hotel door, hotel room door, came in and and, and we sat on the couch for, for about 20 minutes. And he just... It was like the moment, the moment the the mics were on and we started talking, he he just completely came alive. Um, and you just so immediately see why he is such a legendary talker. He held held nothing back when it came to Howard Schultz, uh, who who obviously figures very prominently in all of this, and and he held nothing back in kind of talking about his own sense of himself and and his place in the league. You just kind of want to listen to him talk forever. I mean, I mean, he still has the same kind of raspy voice that that, that he's always had that that just kind of draws you in. And uh, I was absolutely over the moon that that we that we got that interview and, and are able to have his voice in the pod. Yeah, I was always a Kemp guy, but as I've gotten older, Peyton has definitely been just a, a just a fascination of mine. I remember reading Black Planet, the David Shields book, and he's just obsessed with Gary Payton. And it, it goes into detail about uh, how this like middle-aged, just professional, just like wants to behave like Peyton on the basketball court. And I, I feel like I can kind of connect with that a little bit more as I get older. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's... 
I think for, if you have a certain kind of personality, he's like what you wish you could be. Like everyone would like to imagine themselves being able to be that that brash, that self-assured, and that talented, frankly. Uh, he, you know, what, one of the uh, anecdote that is mentioned in the pod and that, that I mentioned to, to Gary when, when I spoke with him is I have a, a younger sister who's never been a big basketball fan, but for a very brief period of time when we were kids, she, she went through a, a phase where she tried to get really into the sport and and the only the her immediate favorite player whose jersey she had to have was was Gary Payton because you can watch him for five minutes and you're immediately just completely drawn to him and there's just something so magnetic about him both on and off the court. All right, so how many episodes are are in the series in total? There are eight episodes, so it'll be once a week every Thursday on on Luminary for eight weeks. And do you have a particular favorite or maybe a favorite moment that you're you can kind of divulge. I don't know. I don't want to give too much away. Um, you know, I will say my favorite episodes are are in in the back half. Episode six is probably the episode with the the wildest turns. Um, a lot of good work has been done on on this story in in years past. The the documentary Sonicsgate did a very thorough job, and other journalists have have told the story. But we we uncovered some things, some elements of the story that have never been told before. And a lot of that happens in, in episode six and, and then episode eight as well. For sure. Well, I can't wait to listen to the rest of it. Like I said, I've listened to the first one. I have the second one waiting for me and I'll probably kind of binge that one right after work. So everybody else can start listening uh, starting tomorrow and you could find Sonic Boom on Luminary and you could use our boss Bill Simmons promo code. Thanks, Bill. That's luminary.link slash Simmons to get two free months of Luminary definitely sign up and, and take a listen. That's it for this episode of NBA Group Chat. Uh, thanks to Jordan for coming on and for me and for Chris. We will see you next Wednesday. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.